This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. This week kicks off a three-part series focusing on mental health and those who follow Jesus. You'll hear about common symptoms, misconceptions, what role scripture plays, the value of sharing your experience with others, ideas for walking with those you love, who suffer, and more. Make sure you're following Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app so you won't miss each episode when it drops on Tuesday mornings. Did you know Grace Enough can be followed and heard on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Today, I sit down with Kara Snyder to talk about her experience with anxiety and how she is learning to shine light in the darkness for adults, tweens, and soon for teens and children. Her devotional, Anxiety Elephants, is one I recommend and have gifted to the tween girls in my life many times. Good morning, Karis, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thanks for having me today. There's very few of my guests I have met in real life, and so it's nice to know that I'm having somebody on the show that I've met before, but I don't really know all of your story. So that's exciting to get to know a little bit more. But first, tell me a little bit about how you came to know Christ. Like, when did your faith journey begin? I always love this question because it gets me, you know, that moment to look back to see how, how God, you know, drew me into his presence. And for me and my life, um, my family, we, we grew up in church. My mom, you know, she took me and my brothers. I have an older brother and I have a twin brother. I am one minute older than him, by the way. (laughs) Um, I still hold that over him, but she was very adamant about us being in church. And my dad, he worked for the railroad. So Mm -hmm. he was oftentimes gone. So it was up to her to, to get us there. And so, um, we were always there on Sundays, Sunday nights, you know, Wednesday nights, and I'll never forget uh, vacation Bible school. We had a summer vacation Bible school at my church and I was in third grade and my mom had brought us home that night and uh, she had this little, do you remember the precious moments figurines? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm, I know I'm dating myself a little <laughs> bit there, but she had this little uh, precious moments booklet that she had printed off and it had the plan of salvation written out where children could understand it. And uh, we were in my room and, and my mom had my brother and I there. And, uh, you know, she just asked us, you know, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? And we both said yes. And I can remember even as a child, just the presence of God kind of taking over in that moment. And my brother and I cried and we actually wanted to hug each other. And we were just, you know, <laughs> just filled with so much joy and peace. And she called our pastor that, that night and told him. And so she told us that Sunday, you know, we were going to go walk down front and, and make that profession of faith. 
And I can remember in that moment, I was very afraid. I was very Mm. shy. I did not like to be in front of people. And so I asked my brother to go first. And even in that little moment, the enemy showed up and just began to already throw darts at me and my faith, having doubts, you know, um, do you really love the Lord? You weren't even Mm. brave enough to go first. You know, he was, so he was starting early on with me in my faith, but the Lord was with me on through my teenage years and and even, you know, into college. And then as an adult, when I really began to battle major um, anxiety and depression, God pulled me out of that and reminded me of hope. And I was able to rededicate my life to him and just experience his goodness in a different way. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was just like a whole other level of, of knowing his love and knowing how he, he does come after us. His goodness comes after us and that he didn't lead me in a dark place, but he mm-hmm. did walk through it with me. Um, and so I'm thankful that I did know him as a child, that I had that foundation so that when I was an adult going through those really difficult times, he was there and his hope and his love surrounded me in those moments so that when I did look up, I wasn't alone. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of what we describe as sanctification, right? Like even in hard things, like there's another layer that is added to our faith when we have to decide, do we really believe that God is with us even when we're not necessarily getting what we want or when things aren't easy? Like that is another way that we, he shows up for us and it's another layer of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that whole working out our salvation, Yeah, you know, just seeing how real he is, how powerful he is and how loving, you know, that he, he's not just this God that's far off. He is our Mm -hmm. Abba. He's our heavenly father. And so just to, to look back, you know, through that journey and to see that from early on, even, you know, up into an adult years, um, it makes me very grateful just to see how he loves, he loves us and how he shows up in different ways for each of us. It doesn't look the same. No one's story is the same, but he is the same God making Mm -hmm. sure that we know of his love and power. Absolutely. Well, as you shared a little bit that it sounds like you actually experienced anxiety first in college. Is that correct? Yeah. I experienced a lot of it in college. I, um, I experienced it probably and not knowing it as a young child, I was Mm. bullied. I have a mild form of cerebral palsy in my left side. And so a, a young boy who lived in my neighborhood, we, we went to a small school, we went to church together. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he pointed that out in front of everyone and was like, why do you do that? What's wrong with you? And so early on, I realized, Hey, I'm different. Mm-hmm. I'm not like everyone else. So I began to kind of put this pressure of perfection on myself, which will come oftentimes with anxiety. And I wanted to kind of blend in and not have that rejection happen again, but it mm-hmm. kind of reared its head through college. And then when I was an adult, my husband and I were married, um, just putting a lot of pressure on myself to kind of be the master of the mask to look like everything was great on the outside. But on the inside, Amber, I was just crushed. I was crushed with just feeling like I wasn't measuring up that I wasn't enough that if people knew what I was really going through, what I was really struggling with, would they really want to be my friend? Could I really be Mm. a leader at church? Could I really do all these things, you know? Um, And so that was just a a heavy weight. I can relate to this because like in the questions that I had sent you, while it's not the same, I remember having my second child sitting on the floor, 
crying uncontrollably for no reason whatsoever and thinking something is not right with me. Like this is not okay. I don't even, I don't even have anything to be unhappy about. And so it was postpartum depression for me, but for you, it was like a major anxiety attack while your daughter was playing nearby. And so share a little bit of that. It sounds like it had already been in full effect for a while, but that is the moment when you were like, oh my goodness, something has to happen. Yeah, that's right. I was um, sitting in our living room. I remember our little beige couch that we had in there and my heart, I felt like I could see it beating out of my chest. It just came out of nowhere. Like you said, I mean, it just came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and literally I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. And my daughter, who is now a teenager, she was two at the time, living her best toddler life in her playroom, <laughs> organizing her toys, which I wish she would do now. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> she loved doing that then. And um, I, I just remember thinking, Zoe is going to come in here and find her mama dead on the floor. Oh my gosh. And that put me into even more of a panic yes. because I, then I'm putting this shame, heaping shame on myself. And, um, I, I have to tell you, I have to be honest in that moment in my life, in that season, I didn't think anxiety and depression were real. Mm. Um, and if you were to have come to me, you know, dealing with those things, my advice to you would have been something like, well, you just need to try harder. You need to pray harder. You just need to trust God more. Um, And if I knew you really well, I would tell you, you just need to suck it up, buttercup, you know, not compassionate, not understanding. So when I found myself in that moment, first of all, I realized, hey, I don't know what this is, but it's very real. Mm -hmm. And I just began to think about all those people that I had met with those, those um, demeaning, not caring, you know, words and statements. Yeah. Just a lack of empathy. It was, it was a lack of empathy and it was not very Jesus like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's anywhere in the Bible that he said that to anyone, but I remember, you know, I was able to call my mom. My mom was a safe place for me. I know that's not for everyone, but she was a safe place for me. And I called her and she said, Karis, I think you're having an anxiety attack, but you need to go to the doctor. Now around, I was around 30 years old and I knew to not argue with my mom to do, you know, what she told me to do. You had walked through enough life to know that your parents do have some wisdom. Some wisdom. And I knew if I don't go, she's going to drive the hour drive up here and make me go, you know? And so I bundled up my daughter and I got to the doctor. I called my husband and he had only seen me as this, um, just very type a strong, have it all together, you know, woman, not. So he had no idea. No, because I even hid it from him because I was afraid of that rejection. Mm -hmm. What if he doesn't love me? You know, what if he sees me who, for what I really am, that I'm, I'm a weak person, I'm a hot mess. And then what, then what? And so I, I remember calling him, my voice was just trembling. He had no idea what was happening. Mm. And uh, when they got me into the room, I still remember the nurse hooking me up to that EKG machine. Zoe is sitting over in a chair. She's just crying because she doesn't know. She's scared. She's two. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember looking at her saying, mommy's so sorry. Mommy's oh, so sorry. Yeah. And then I looked at the nurse and I told her, I'm so sorry that I'm a burden to you. I'm so sorry that you're having to do this. Cause I, that's just where I was mentally. Yeah. 
I began to think I was a burden and I was a bother, you know, and so that's where that depression, you know, mm-hmm. kind of started to creep in. And I'll never forget that nurse looked at me and she said, Hey, this, this is my job. I was meant to be here for you today. You know, mm. so she kind of met me in that moment. My husband showed up and he was like, what, what do you want me to do? And I said, just take, take our daughter and go. And he left and the doctor came in and he said, your heart is fine. Um, yeah. You're having an anxiety attack. Yep. And I can remember looking at him still saying, are you sure? <laughs> is that really real? I mean, and- I have three friends right now. I could say all three of their names that have said the exact same thing as you. Okay. See, I like, it's just this thing, like we're in denial. Like, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember him telling me that him telling me, you know, Hey, you need to be on some medication. And I can remember saying, Hey, I'm good. I'm Mm. fine now. Now I I know. So I, you know, I just kind of pushed it down, but in that, um, I had been kind of starving myself a little bit, trying to keep that outward, uh, look, of perfection, like everything looked okay. And that also gave me some control, you know, sometimes with anxiety, you want to control. So I felt like I could control it, but also, I don't know if this will sound strange to anyone. Maybe you can understand when I say it, but that when I was starved myself, when I wasn't eating, it would kind of numb the pain. It would numb the pain Mm. of the anxiety or numb the pain of the shame and the fear and the rejection that I felt. So instead of dealing with it, I numbed it. Now, some people will use different things to do that, but that's what I did. I wanted to numb it. And then I overworked out and I had ended up kind of um, straining that chest cavity muscle wall that we have. Yeah. And that the doctor said, you know, because you've done that, you can't lift a Walmart bag, your two-year-old, nothing for the next five to six months. You have to let it heal. And so that for me as a mom, I thought, well, there goes my purpose. There goes what I can do you know, and then I started to see how people were doing things, quote unquote, better than me. So am I really needed here? So how long was this process of you discovering that it was anxiety before you finally said, oh my gosh, like I cannot do this on my own. On my own. Yeah, man, that probably that doctor's visit happened maybe in like June or July of 2011. I still remember the year. And it was September of 2011 when I realized I needed help. That was about a four month span. Now, previous to that doctor's doctor's visit, um, it was, there was about four or five months that went on where I would have those random anxiety attacks, but I would just Mm -hmm. push them down and ignore them. You know what I mean? Um, And it would scare me, but then I would just ignore it. And so really what brought me to that place that I knew I needed help. I ended up finding out that I was pregnant. Um, now in that moment, I weighed Amber close to hundred pounds. Like I was just a shell of a person. Oh and I gosh. knew even now there are not many pictures of me from that year because I knew, I knew that I did not look healthy, that I did not look well. Um, but somehow I was able to, to get pregnant. And I remember my doctor and her just kindness. She said, listen, it doesn't matter to me if you eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I just need you to eat for the sake of the baby. And a couple of things happened in that moment. First of all, that mama bear instinct, you know, that we have, yeah. like mm-hmm. we'll do things for our kids that we will probably not do for ourselves or even for yeah. our kids, friends that we take in and we love and we feel like they are our own. So I would fight for that baby. But also I have to be honest and say, 
if a doctor tells you, you can eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, <laughs> you eat the donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I ate a lot of donuts. And in that time span, <laughs> I gained, I probably gained about six pounds in about an eight week period, but oh. I ended up having a miscarriage. Oh gosh. And I lost a baby. And I mean, here comes the enemy with every dart, every lie that he's got. Look what you did. Look what happened. You are more of a burden. They don't need you here. They'd be better off without you, you you know, but in that moment, it was like, God just kind of reached down his two gentle hands and said, look up, look up. And when I looked up, I wasn't alone. No one rejected me. No one turned their back on me. They loved me. And they said, we're here for you. And so in that midst of all of those people, I began to realize, Hey, I need help. Mm -hmm. I need help. This is very real. Anxiety is very real. It is very paralyzing. It is uh, not looking for one certain type of person. It will come after whoever. And so I knew that I needed help. A counselor helped me. A doctor helped me. As I began to share my story and talk more about it, friends would begin to say, you too? And I'd be like, yeah, me too. You know, why are we not talking about this? Why are we not sharing more Mm -hmm. of our stories? And so kind of realizing that I wasn't alone, that it was okay to ask for help. That was actually the right thing to do. And that I wasn't failing God in letting others help me. You know, Galatians 6, 2 says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I had to kind of get some of those perceptions, those, those, those things that were not true that I thought was true. I had to, to change some of that. And so that counseling, that doctor, I needed that. I needed both to get to the root of those issues, but also to help my my brain and my hormones that were just, you know, mm-hmm. they were, they were out of whack Yep, and I yeah. needed that help. And so it, it was life saving and life changing for me. Mm. Well, and I think that's the thing is the stigma is slowly shifting, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we see it in so many ways as more and more people talk about it. I do think Christians at times still it's like we, we're slow. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? We are slow. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes it's because we accept things as good theology that were maybe just opinions and we don't want to create, or we don't want to correct bad theology quickly. Yeah. I mean, there, it's a little bit more complicated than, um, we like to say that it is. And because we feel like we're weak. When we admit wrongdoing, yeah. but as I've seen it become a little bit more, uh, normalized, like seeking treatment, medication, um, brain science, you know, like just realizing that brain science is actually God science. Like God's the one who created brain science. (laughs) That is not, they're not opposed to one another. They actually directly, uh, well, they are the same thing. (laughs) Right. Right. I love it. And it's like, we just can't wrap our minds around that or something. I'm like, no, God is the creator. And so he knows all about science. But anyways, that's a side note that I could go on for like hours about. Um, This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? 
no matter who or how many you influence. Our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. I guess my question for you would be, as you started getting rid of some of the stigmas in your own mind that sometimes we just tell ourselves, but then sometimes we have heard from places like the pulpit or other Christian mm-hmm. friends. Um, what were some of the things maybe that your counselor worked through with you to say, okay, you have to shift your mindset from mm-hmm. this to this? Yeah, that is a great question. One of the most important things that she did for me was let me be emotional and let me process. I I can tell you probably the first two or three weeks that I went to sit with her, literally all I did was cry. Like I just could not get words out and, and, you know, and she, she let me like, she just let me sit there. And I can remember when I would leave, I, I felt so much better. I felt so much lighter. Sometimes you don't need to be fixed. I, I, I didn't. And, and that's true. And, and I realized in that moment that emotions were not bad. God gave yeah. us those emotions. We just don't need them to control us. And by pushing mm-hmm. my emotions down, by pushing down uh, memories or things that I, that I wasn't dealing with, it was controlling me because I wasn't mm-hmm. letting it go. Um, and so I can remember that she did that for me. She let me be emotional. She let me process those emotions. Um, and as I began to do that, she would just begin to ask me questions, you know, like, is that really what God's word says? Or is that something, you know, that you thought? Um, and she would kind of challenge me, not in a uh, belittling way, but in a way to say, hey, maybe that's not what God's word says, you know? And I yeah. think that was one way that I did discover that verse Galatians 6, 2, that we're to bear one another's burdens. I hadn't, I don't remember reading that until I kind of went through that process, yeah. And to see, oh, we're, we're really supposed to help each other. We're not supposed to just do this by ourselves. That's right. Like that's the family really, of God. Yeah. That's really what we are to do. You know, God said it wasn't good for us to be alone. And so to kind of see that, to kind of see, um, you know, that, that God was not going to not use me because I was struggling when in reality, mm. everyone that he uses, we can look through the scripture. They all, I mean, Hot that messes. could be a whole other <laughs> podcast episode, you know, just all the messes that they were, but they can, they relate, you know, David, goodness, King David. Yeah. He went through all sorts of things, but we can read in the Psalms where he lamented yep. and he praised God. And he was known as a, as a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think just her asking me those questions and challenging me gently, yeah. that was so helpful. And then as I got through counseling, just to begin to learn on my own, what are some good coping skills? What are some healthy mm-hmm. things that I can do? Because what I had done and what many of us do, we just push it down and we don't deal with it. We ignore it. We avoid it because it is, it takes too long or it's too painful yeah. to really, really deal with it. And that can be hard and that can be scary to be vulnerable, but it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. I, I didn't think that it was okay 
to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, but it's, that's okay. And, and I think that is another thing that we can do. We can normalize that just knowing that we are weak. We are yes. weak. And in our weakness, that is where Jesus can be strong. strong, you know? And I think the world, we just bought into this, be a strong woman or be strong and have it all together. And you don't need help. You, you don't need a man or you don't need people to help you. We need, we need help. We yeah. need each other. We don't need to do life alone. Yeah. It's so interesting how like, it's like you do you and you be superwoman. But then those same people who are saying that are also like, but take medication and go to counseling. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I understand that it can be a both and, Mm -hmm. but maybe we need to quit saying like you do you and you be your strongest person when really we all need one another and that's how we thrive. Um, and oftentimes that is the answer to prayer that God is giving us. It's not, I'm taking this away. It's that I want you to become dependent. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Have you ever, have you you seen, maybe your listeners have seen this too. You know, there's this example where where a person is drowning and they're praying for help and Mm -hmm. someone with a boat comes by with a lifesaver and they're like, no, 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 God's going to help me. I'll be okay. And they continue to drown, continue to drown. And a helicopter comes with someone there to save them and pull them out. And they're like, no, 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 God's going to help me. He's going to save me. And the helicopter goes and the person dies and they go to heaven and they say to God, why, why didn't you save me? Why don't you help me? He's like, I "I tried. I sent you people to help you. I sent you all these things, but you rejected the help. And so that's a good example, right? I'm like, okay, I I need help. Like I cannot do all the things and I am okay with that. And when I got to that place to know, I don't have to be uh, social media. Perfect. I don't have to be all the things to all people. I just need to be who God's created me to be. And then I can partner with other people mm. who have those strengths and we can lift each other up. And then we become an army together for mm-hmm. the Lord. And yeah. that is what the enemy, that's why he isolates. And I, I think back to 2020, we became very isolated, mm. very um, not with one another. And that's what he wants. If he can isolate us yeah. and keep us away from one another. Then we begin to believe those lies, those those twisted truths that he tries to manipulate even more. So if we can come out of that, and I, I think we slowly are, and, and I do believe, yeah. like you said, the church is starting to talk about mental health and faith more. I, my prayer is that we continue to talk about it, that we continue to share from the pulpit, share our own stories. There are pastors yes. struggling, pastors' yes. wives are struggling, and they need to know, hey, you're not alone, and we are not going to judge you. We will lift you up and we'll walk through this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just, we have to give grace. We have to give that place for people to know that you, you may be a leader in church, but you're still a person. Yeah. You're still yeah. and the enemy. I mean, he, he is attacking like never before. He's attacking our leaders. He's attacking our children and our teens. And so we have to be that place to say, come, Jesus tells us to come but we don't want to stay in it. We want to make those changes to some things that we, we are doing wrong and change is hard. And it's a process, but man, it's worth it. It's worth it. If we're willing to just let God meet us there, let others in and make the changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I think as we think about leaders, there's so much pressure now. Um, I mean, I think there's always been pressure, but because now you're expected to also be on social media and sharing, you know, digitally and all these things, it's like, you just hardly ever get a break 
or feel safe. And um, yeah, that's just not a good place to be. And so unless we share our experience and speak openly and get counsel, the enemy's just going to keep having a heyday there. He, he wants our leaders to be silent, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that if we, if our leaders can just know that, that God is not going to stop them. I think in those moments of sharing those weaknesses and those yeah. hard things, that's where the world, those who don't know Jesus can say, Hey, if Jesus can do that for them, yeah, he can mm-hmm. do that for me, you know, and, and see that that's where he meets us in those broken places, that's a good perspective, you know, I, I yeah. think that can be helpful to and to know that this is something else that I had to learn I wasn't supposed to be the savior mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to he had already taken that role that's not my role um, and I was putting that pressure on myself to try to fulfill what Jesus only Jesus can do for people we just need to be the vessels yeah. to let them see that to see that goodness to see that love to see that true healing can take place well tell me this once and this is because I know what I experienced when you first started taking medication, Mm -hmm. did you really struggle with making that part of your, like sharing that part of your story? Yeah. Listen, I gotta (laughs) tell you, I I mean, cause this was me. I was like, dang it. I can say that I'm depressed, but I don't want to tell anybody that I I still take medications. I know it's so crazy. Yes, it is. I cried every day for the first three weeks. I mean, I would look at that little pill and mm-hmm. I would bawl my eyes out. I would bawl my eyes out because I thought I was failing God. I thought I was letting which him is down. Just so interesting, is, isn't it? It is. Me too. I know. And, and maybe others are yelling at their car. Me too. Or while you're you know, walking <laughs> yeah, on the elliptical. Yeah. I did. I thought I was failing him. And after those first three weeks, my, my daughter, it was her birthday. And she wanted to have her birthday party at a jumpy house place, mm-hmm. which anyone would probably need medication to go into those places. <laughs> if you have anxiety anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, she, I can remember, I felt different that day. Mm. I wasn't foggy. Like my mind wasn't in a fog. You know what I mean? Yep, like I, I do think clearly I was actually like joy. Like I had joy, like little things didn't stress me out or overwhelm me. Like it, it was okay everything was going to be okay. And I remember her saying to me, Hey mom, will you go down the big jumpy slide with me? Now, old Karis would have been like, no, 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 no. I'm not going down that slide. That's that's I'm too old for that. Or I'm too uh, mature for that. But when she looked at me and said, will you go down with me? I said, yes. And we're climbing up that slide. And I remember there were people down at the bottom taking pictures. So I was just kind of looking at my daughter and they're like, no, 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 Karis, we're taking pictures of you because they had not seen me ever kind of enjoy mm. life that oh, wow. way. I know it was big. And so we went down the, the slide and it was actually fun. I didn't do it anymore after that, but that yeah. one time <laughs> it was really fun. But later that night we had, my husband had um, booked us tickets to go hear Louis Giglio and Chris mm-hmm. Tomlin speak in our town. And uh, we, the, the worship was amazing. And Louis Giglio was talking and all of a sudden he starts sharing how hey, he couldn't sleep at night. And he would just wake up and his heart would be racing. And my husband and I are just looking at each other like, that was, that's you. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what you did. And he would talk about how he got up and he splashed water on his face. And you know, that he just had all these racing thoughts. And I mean, tears just kind of welled up in my eyes and in my husband's eyes, because I had begun to realize, Hey, he understands what I'm going through, but God mm-hmm. is still using him. Like God yeah. had not stopped 
using him. And that's what the enemy was just kind of holding over my head. And then at the end of while he was sharing, he talked about how he got help, how his friends were helpful to him, a counselor. And then he said, and a doctor helped me too. Mm-hmm. And it was like, God was saying, it's, this is not wrong. If you had a heart issue, if you had cancer, if your if your child had asthma, you would there would be medication there, and you would not argue to use that. So this it was like God was saying this medication is helping you, it's helping mm-hmm. your brain. Mm-hmm. And that after that day, I didn't cry anymore about having to take that medication. Yeah. And I began, you know, when people would say ask me questions when I would share about feeling anxious or having depression, and they would ask me about medication, I would say yes. Yeah. I take it, or I would just share, you know, vocally. And then in those early years, people would kind of come up to me and whisper, mm-hmm. you know, that they took medication too. But um, now people are more able to talk about it freely and they don't yeah. feel judged or they yeah. don't feel like shame. they are. Yeah. Shame. And that's the thing too, for me, I remember for several years, just thinking like, okay, my goal is to get off of it. Yes. <laughs> That is my goal. And then I would go through that process and be like, "Mm, not, not right now, not right now, not this time until that probably happened three times. And finally just saying to myself and to the Lord, like, okay, this is a part of my life. It's okay that I'm going to need this forever. Right. It doesn't mean I'm less than, it doesn't mean like you said that I can be, that God's going to use me less because of this. Um, no, he knew this all along. Yeah, He knew this all along. And so um, I mainly wanted you to share that. And I share my personal story with that as well to let people know, like it can take a while to get to a place of acceptance. Don't shame yourself over that yeah. too, but do keep asking the Lord to help work, you know, do his work in you to get you to the point where maybe you will get to come off medication and maybe you won't. But man, it can really hold you captive if you're not careful. Yes, that's right. And it's not a um, hit against you if you that's have right. to take medication for the rest of your life. You know, if it, again, if it was you had to take medication for the rest of your life for high blood pressure, you would do it. So we have to see that it's the same kind of shifting in that same perspective. If, if I would need to do this to keep my blood pressure normal at a healthy yeah. range, Um, this is what this medication is doing. And sure, there's other things that we can do to help that, to help our body process, like you're saying, so that one day maybe we can get to that place. But if we don't, it's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, it's okay. And it's not any judgment against you. And no medication is strong enough to stop God from using you. Mm. It it doesn't stop him from using you. But when we come to him and just submit and say, here I am, this is all I got. Yeah. And then, you know, I think about that little boy with his little loaves and his fish and how he willingly gave, you know, we just got to willingly give and Jesus, he will take care of the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And keep showing up, right? Yeah. Just keep showing up. Well, tell me, because you do get to share about your experience a lot now, and we're going to talk about your book a little bit, but um, how have you seen God really use your experience for good in the lives of others as now it's something that you speak on stages about, you get to share on TV about, but you also get to have one-on-one conversations with people. Um, what has been some of those experiences? Oh man, I think some of these experiences that have, it's just been kind of humbling over the past few years to just be where God is using me in this way. You know, after COVID, 
we didn't know if we were going to be able to get back to being with people. So I've been grateful over the last couple of years to just be back with, with people. But some things I've seen God do is to see those ladies who are a little more seasoned than me, a little, Mm. they've lived life a little bit longer than me come, you know, pull me to the side with tears in their eyes to say, I have dealt with this my whole life and never knew Mm. that I could have freedom or never knew that so many others dealt with it and that I, that I don't have to hide. So to see God bring freedom to Mm. them after so many years and just to see just that joy on their faces that has been amazing to, to watch families come together, parents come, you know, with their kids Mm to, to events when I do things for families and for parents to see, Oh, I didn't realize that when I was telling my, my kids that it's no big deal that I was really dismissing what they were going through and to see that kind of light bulb moment, not just for moms, but for dads. Yeah. That's been really, really sweet. And, and even just to be able to go into schools and, and, you know, a lot of times when you go into public schools, you can't share your faith, but you know, Jesus can shine through. He can come through however he needs to, but just to have high school students or fifth and sixth graders come up to you and say, this is me. This is what I've been dealing with. And I didn't know that this is what it was. I didn't know that that's what I was feeling. And then they could actually name it now and they could put skills to work to see kids grab a hold of that early on so that when they are adults, it's not going to, you know, steal from them, take from their life. Um, right. Those have been really, really impactful moments, you know, and even for me as a mom to have two daughters, um, and to just have different conversations with them to say, it's okay, you know, if you're upset or you need to express something, you know, and to learn how to do that in a respectful way, but to yeah. give them that permission. And um, that's been really, really good for me. I don't get it right every time, but just to try to, to let them have those moments where they need to express and, and know that we can be a safe place for them. Because if we as parents are not a safe place, they'll go to the world. Yep. And so we want to be that safe place. We may not have all the answers, but we want them to know, Hey, you can come to me, whether I have all the answers or not. This is, this is where, where, where we want them to come. So all of these things have been good for me. And even in these moments that have been good for me, where the anxiety creeps back in and the attacks come out of nowhere, gone. (laughs) No, I wish I could tell you that it was, Um, but just in those moments to, to see how God has helped me to not put myself back in the shame corner. But to say, but to run to him and say, okay, this I'm struggling. Today's a hard day. This is a hard day. And so to know that even in the midst of those moments, when those attacks come back, I'm not alone. I have those friends, that friend group that I can go to where there is no judgment. And I can say, Hey, I'm struggling. This is, this is really a a stinky day. This is really a hard situation. Mm -hmm. And they let me, they let me work through that. You know, and I have those friends too, that are like, okay, now that we've worked through that, what's the solutions? What are, how are we going to, how are you going to shift? You know, so, um, so all those things have just been, been so good. And just, just to see, I I bet you get this too, Amber, when you see other people experience God's love and kindness Mm -hmm. and get that light bulb moment and to be there to see it, that's just, there are really no words to describe that. Mm, I know it's true. And I mean, when you finally say like, okay, I, Lord, I'm letting you use me in what has been some of the most difficult experiences of my life and really anyone can be used, but now just uh, opening my mouth or being honest or um, whatever it may be, 
it is incredible to just see like, okay, Lord, hiding all that is, is a tool for the enemy. But, um, and that's not saying we're out bemoaning and whining and acting like, you know, woe is me. It's more like for his glory sharing, Hey, this is real in my life and God's showing up. It may not always be exactly how I want him to, but he is showing up. He's showing up. That's right. Well, so your book, Anxiety Elephants. Well, first of all, how did you get to Anxiety Elephants? So I have to put this side note in here. I am from Alabama. I graduated from the University of Alabama. Okay. There now, we this go. has nothing to do with Big Al the elephant. It has nothing oh, to do it with doesn't. him. It okay. does not. No, but I have, uh, when I launched that book, I had friends who are also from Alabama, but they went to our rival university, Auburn, Auburn. University. <laughs> and so when I launched this first book, they, they wanted to be on my launch team, but they were like, look, I just need to make sure this elephant has nothing to do with your, <laughs> your college background. I was like, no, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. So, but anyway, so when I would speak, I was a speaker before I wrote, any books. And so when I would describe the anxiety attacks, like the, the visual, yes, that I would give would be that elephant, that heavy weight on your mm-hmm. chest. So for those who had never experienced anxiety would realize how heavy that weight mm-hmm. feels. Yeah. And then, you know, for those who do have anxiety to understand, oh, they, that's it. That's the weight that I'm feeling on me. So that's kind of where that visual came yeah. from. So, so when I began to, to think about writing, the Lord was just like, here, anxiety, this is it anxiety elephants. Awesome. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a book. I have to, I'm laughing because, um, two of our really good sets of friends from Tampa, one family went to Alabama and the other one are Auburn fan. (laughs) Well, they went to Auburn. And so it's kind of always this running joke. And then Anna is one of my really good friends who had an anxiety attack. Like I was talking about earlier. And she was just like, it blew her way. So now I feel like I need to like send her this book and stuff, even though she's in a really healthy place now, but it's just (laughs) funny that it's like Alabama, Auburn. I get the tension there. You Um, get it, you know. Yes. And so anyways, the book is 31 devotions really geared towards what I am assuming is helping people find freedom from anxiety. And you've also, released a tween version for both boys and girls that I've been able to give to people. And it's really just such a precious thing. And so share a bit of that journey, kind of how you got into writing this devotional and, um, you know, what people can expect if they were to purchase the books. So a lot of people will ask me about writing the books and, and I always tell them this was never on my, my goal list. I never wanted to be a writer, but you know, God, he does these things, right? He puts us in places where we have to depend and trust him. And so as I began to write uh, the 31 day devotional, it came out December of 2019 and then hello. 2020. So it was just like God and his timing knew, you know, that we were going to need, need that. Um, And so in that first devotional each day I share, you know, there's a scripture focus and then I share, uh, we dive into that scripture focus a little bit and I share parts of my story just so people can relate, but then there are action steps to take. Cause you know, when you are feeling anxious and you're paralyzed with anxiety, you want to take an action step, but you just don't know what to do. You, you just can't figure that out. So that's well, it feels like you're in a hole. I always describe yeah. it, it. Depression is, I mean, different, but they almost always go hand always in hand. Yeah. And I remember saying like, the only way I could explain it to my husband was I feel like I'm in a room and I'm surrounded by everybody that loves me and I'm screaming to the top of my lungs and no one can hear me. Right. That's it. 
it's the weirdest, craziest, most absurd thing, but that's just what it is. That's what it is. That's Sorry, it. go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, no, but that no, for me I think is that's good. Yeah. And I think people will, will relate to that. I can remember that. It just felt dark and it felt cold, oh. you know? And, um, but even then it felt like that's where I was supposed to be. But I thank the Lord that he pulls me out of that. Yes. But those, those action steps just give you little bitty actions, not big things. It's just one tiny thing to folks sort of give you victory steps every day. But there's also a journaling page because journaling was huge for me and mm -hmm. my healing. So that's in that adult book. And so when I wrote that book, my daughters, they were like, oh, we want a copy. We want a copy. We think they just thought it was so cool. You know, yeah. I've written a book. And so they had it and they were reading it and uh, they came to me. I mean, at this time, they were probably... And I had one in fifth grade and probably in second grade, you know, first, second grade. Um, and so my fifth grader was like, Hey mom, can you write one with words we can understand for oh. our age? And so that's where the Lord began to really be like, Hey, I, I went back and I could remember those moments where anxiety had started for me as a kid. And if mm. we would have known that I could have changed some behaviors early on. So the Lord used my daughters to bring in the tween devotionals. And so they're kind of set up in the same way. They're 90 day devotionals, but it still has that, that scripture focus, you know, the text where I do share some stories, but their action steps are called stomp steps to give them that visual yeah. action to take. The journaling pages are there. Um, the, the content of the books are the same for the girl and boys. We wanted to do different covers because yeah. you probably get this boys. They, they get left out sometimes for devotionals. And we wanted them to understand, hey, you, you have emotions too. You can get anxious. You can get overwhelmed yeah. too. So we wanted them to, to know this book is not just for girls. This is for boys. This is for mm. both of you. Um, and it is that eight to 12 year old age range. Um, and some of the stomp steps, the action steps in there deal with, um, you know, bringing family in or bringing in children's ministry, you know, giving them that permission to talk yeah. to those safe adults in their lives, to know that that's okay. You know, they're not doing anything wrong. And then, you know, like I said, the journaling page is there also, so they can write down maybe what they've learned or draw or yeah. doodle, you know, just, just to kind of give them that space. I never would have thought about writing books for tweens had not my own children said, you know, we need that. And I was speaking in the schools at that time. I had never really thought about that. And so wow. um, it's just been really amazing to see how, how God has just kind of been a step ahead because all of you have probably noticed the attacks on our kids mm -hmm. have definitely increased on yeah. their minds, on their identity, just mentally. And so to see that we, not just this resource, but there are, I'm sure so many other resources that we can put right. in their hands to do as the, as the word tells us to train them up, That's to right. prepare them for battle. We can't hide them in a bubble. We got to prepare them for mm -hmm. those mental battles. Yes. The physical ones, but definitely those mental battles so they can stand strong against mm. the attacks of the enemy. Mm. That's such a good perspective. Well, they're great resources. I think you're in the process of writing another book. Am I correct? That's right. Um, I actually have a couple of books that I'm working on. Uh, we, I have one uh, for teens also coming out, an anxiety elephant devo uh, devotional for them and Alrighty. a picture book for our little ones. There's nice. going to be a picture book. Yeah. But I am very excited. I have a car line mom devotional that I'm working on. That's going to come out next beginning of next school year. Um, you know, I, when I do my podcast, I record it from the car line. <laughs> so great. I am. 
I'm a car line mom. And so just to meet Me us too. mamas in the, we have, we are in lines for extracurricular activities, for sports, if we're taking them somewhere, you know, it's not just even for school, it's for other activities. So we're in this season of going and waiting and all yeah. that back and forth. So how do we meet God in that? How do we pause and just let him love on us and speak to our hearts so that we can be that light, you know, that he's called us to be. So I'm mm. really, really excited about that one too. That's so awesome. Karis. Well, thank you for all that you're doing. And, um, I'm just so thankful that you're sharing this message with not only adults, but with our kids, because we're just seeing more and more anxiety all the time. And I have parents ask me like, what should I do? And so yours is a resource I'm happy to recommend. Oh, thank you for that. And just allowing me to, to be here just to love on and encourage your, your listener family. If there is someone in your life who struggles with anxiety, will you share this episode with them? Or consider gifting them the Anxiety Elephants devotional. You can find it linked at graceenoughpodcast.com slash anxiety. Purchasing through that link provides a small affiliate payout to Grace Enough at no cost to you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.